I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Utah Governor Spencer Cox, who was just recently, today, it was announced that he has been named to President Biden's Council of Governors and will give the president advice on a host of issues from uh, national security to how to combat hazards like wildfires. And earlier today uh, was uh, posted on the Washington Post site. Uh, he was a part of a conversation there uh, to, to really outline and look back on some leadership lessons from a host of things, the coronavirus, the pandemic, uh, response to different things. And really, just some of those those core principles. So, uh, so I want to go through this just a little bit in terms of uh, the governor's conversation with the Washington Post interview. Uh, he was asked uh, if we'll uh, lock down again because of the Delta variant is is surging. Uh, he says no, uh, and he points out that the problem uh, that we didn't do a good job of factoring in early on in the pandemic, and that is this crazy, unpredictable thing called human behavior. This is one area where, where I think uh, we, we've all struggled and gotten this wrong in lots of ways. I, I've said for a long time that I wish the WHO and the CDC had behavioral scientists working side by side with their actual scientists. Um, this is uh, w- one of the issues we had where, with, uh, and in fact, I was the one on a call with President Biden that said, you know, Mr. President, um, we, we have people that are getting vaccinated. We need to start acting like it. And, uh, and, and he agreed and we, we saw a change with the CDC within the uh, within the week the same types of changes and requirements that we we made over the past year are not going to work going forward they're they're just not and they don't, don't have to that's what what's amazing if you look uh, now i know the who again is taking a worldwide approach the vaccination rates across the world are so low that those countries should be incredibly nervous about the delta variant um, but when you look uh, at what's happening in israel for example yes the delta variant is is spreading and we're seeing we are seeing some breakthrough cases but the breakthrough cases are still very limited. And most of those breakthrough cases are asymptomatic. Um, they, they went, I think, 10 days without having a single fatality in uh, for, for COVID just this the, the past 10 days in Israel. Um, and, and so what, what we just need to do is get more people vaccinated. So when you ask the question, you know, what, what what, uh, what steps are we prepared to take? It's to continue to encourage vaccinations because that's how we stop the spread of this virus. 
Uh, next, uh, Governor Cox was asked about uh, those on the right uh, really politicizing the virus. His response to this was really interesting, and he pointed out uh, both issues on the left and the right and the mistakes that that led to from a public health situation. Trust is so important, and we, we have lost some trust, some of it um, unfairly, but, but some of it fairly. I remember being very early on a call. We were trying to encourage people to wear masks early on, and we received enormous pushback from the medical community, from epidemiologists, um, from physicians, telling us that masks didn't work and that we shouldn't be encouraging people to wear masks, that it would give people a false sense of security and uh, that it was a, a really bad idea. And, um, and, and then that all flipped as some of the data started to come back saying, actually, no, masks are really important and they're one of the only uh, tools we have to mitigate the spread of, of the virus and we should be encouraging masks and, and later that we should be mandating masks. And I remember talking to a group of physicians who were really mad at us saying, hey, why aren't you encouraging people to wear more masks? And I said, because you told us not to. And, and he said, <laughs> He said, you're absolutely right. We told you not to like two weeks ago, and now we're mad at you for not telling people to do it more. And, and so those, I, I think, are the types of decisions. And there's also this, uh, we, we've seen this a lot, this, this idea that we, we, we can't trust people, and so we're not going to give them all of the story because they might make a mistake. And w- unfortunately, what's happened is that's led to more distrust. When we do have good data and good science, it's been harder to convince people to follow um, that, that, that data and science. And so um, those, those are some some areas where I think we've made some mistakes. Uh, so interesting that the governor pointed out, you know, both the left and the right have made mistakes in terms of the communication component to all of this. And that's where we've lost a lot of trust. And I have long said that one of the biggest challenges in a crisis is the uncertain trumpet, the uncertain sound. And when you have uh, conflicting messages, when you aren't being open and honest, when you aren't being transparent, when you aren't admitting that you don't know something or that you made a mistake on something. Uh, it creates uncertainty. And when the public has to vacillate and hesitate back and forth, we should not be surprised uh, that things become politicized. We should not uh, be shocked uh, that the behavior doesn't follow. Uh, you have to have a certain sound. And when we don't have that coming out of government officials, it makes it very hard for the public for citizens to act with confidence and to be united in in moving things forward. And so I thought the governor was right to point out that, look, everybody was all over the map, left, right, and center, scientists, non-scientists, politicians, business people, community folks. uh, Everybody was all over the map. And so that created these uncertain sounds, the uncertain trumpet, uh, and that leads to confusion, hesitation, and again, when Individuals are hesitating and vacillating back and forth. Uh, Don't expect them to come up with the right behavior. Uh, Finally, the governor was asked about the state of Utah, and this is one of those think-again kind of moments. Uh, The interviewer from the Washington Post asked Governor Cox, hey, Utah only has 48% of residents with at least one dose. What's going on there? Uh, The governor gave some perspective. 
The difference in Utah versus other states, we are the youngest state in the nation. And so our overall vaccination rates are going to be lower because we have a large portion of our state that are not eligible for vaccines, those under the age of 12. And again, we have more people under the age of 12 than anywhere else. And every younger cohort um, across the nation, the vaccination rates are lower. From So from 20 to 30, you're less likely to be vaccinated from 30 to 40 versus 70 to 80. And so we have such a young population reaching that young population and helping them uh, get vaccinated is really important. Now, we, we also know, again, that, that the virus doesn't impact younger people at, as significantly as it does elderly people. But to reduce the spread, we really need everyone to, uh, to get vaccinated. And so we, we're continuing to push that here in the state of Utah. And that was uh, Governor Spencer Cox on a, uh, an interview uh, that aired this morning with the Washington Post uh, talking about uh, leadership principles and lessons in leadership uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, they went on to discuss a host of other things that we'll uh, share and dip in a little bit to tomorrow. Uh, but I thought the governor did a, a nice job in framing things uh, in a way I think that makes sense for all of us. Uh, and yes, a lot of the pandemic got politicized early on and it made it difficult to, uh, you can't unring that bell, so to speak, but that distrust, that uncertainty, uh, led to, uh, less than unified behavior when it came to how we reacted and responded to the virus or the behaviors that we needed to do to, uh, to help, uh, curb that and, uh, to get people, uh, position to move everything forward. So a lot of great insight there. Uh, uh, good work by uh, Governor Cox in terms of that interaction and interview with the Washington Post. Uh, and as we mentioned, just uh, announced recently uh, this afternoon that uh, the governor has been named to President Biden's Council of Governors. Again, we'll give advice to the president around everything from national security issues to uh, how to combat hazards like wildfires, drought, and so on. Uh, so again, it will be Utah having a uh, a voice and a seat at the table. And I think Utah is a great place uh, for that to come from. I think that can help the administration. I think it can help members of Congress as well, uh, because Utah is a uh, unique laboratory of democracy with a lot of really good things going. All right, we're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to round out our discussion uh, talking about what it means to be a good staffer and people who are in the fingerprint business. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.